0: Hello and welcome to Beer Prime episode 79 featuring Mysterious Brewing Co. Thanks for joining me again. A little later, I'll be talking with Ken and Adam, the duo behind Mysterious Brewing Co. We'll be talking all about their brewery, which started up earlier this year, their home brewing background, their day jobs, and their plans to get Mysterious out to the people, plus a lot more. We'll also be talking to Eric Abbott from Lalamonde all about yeast and the role it plays in the brewing process. Before that let's talk about a couple of beer events that I've been to since we last spoke. First up was the launch of the Caribbean chocolate cake beers from Siren on 10th November. I had ordered a set of cans but wanted to get out and sample them on draft. There were a large number of venues across the country that participated in this launch and a few of those were not too far from me, so I chose to go to Mother Kelly's in Vauxhall, as it's a venue that I hadn't been to before. It's a fairly decent size and they have 33 taps, so the four CCC beers being poured there were only a drop in the ocean of beers available. I thoroughly enjoyed the four beers that I had gone there to have, taking them all at once, a half of the cupcake session version plus thirds of the other three stronger beers. However, it didn't seem like a launch event. It was a Friday night, the place was full, and everyone else seemed to be going for the other 29 beers. That's no criticism of Mother Kelly's or Siren. Why should they do anything special other than making the four beers available to consume? But it just seemed like a bit of an anti I was with my wife who was having the G&T, so I drank my beers, not rushing, making sure I savored every sip, Then we went to a great little Mexican restaurant nearby and had a fabulous dinner, including a Sopa Azteca that really brought back memories of a great Tex-Mex restaurant we used to go to in central London back in the 90s. My favorite of the four beers that night? Well, Death by CCC, I think was was the best one. Sirens say they've created that using everything they've learned from last year's slightly different CCC beers, Curiosity, Candor and Charm, brewed in collaboration with three of the world's top dark beer producers, New Zealand's Garage Project, Cycle Brewing from the US, and Swedish Stoutmaster's Omnipolo. Plus then Crescendo, which was a blend of all three of those CCC beers, and that was served at their 10th birthday party earlier this year. Fast forward to the following Friday, 17th of November, and the launch of the 12 Collabageddon beers. In case you don't know, Collabageddon is the brainchild of Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing. Every year he gets 11 other breweries together, a mix of big and small breweries, and pairs them up to collaborate on a couple of brews each. Every brewery is paired with two others, one of which they will host at their brewery and the other that they will travel to. Out of all of this, 12 beers are brewed. There are no rules about what type of beers they can brew, the ABV, etc. The only rule is that it must be ready for launch date. Again, just like the CCC launch, there were venues across the UK participating in this, and several that were reachable for me. I decided on Kill the Cat, who were pouring all 12 across their two sites in London, two at the original Brick Lane venue, and the remaining 10 at their new bar in London's Spitalfields Market. I hit the Brick Lane venue first. This venue has three taps and is primarily a bottle shop. It is very small, uh, with a little bit of seating inside and some outside. I had the two beers that they were pouring, Black Lager from Leith's Moonwake and Leeds-based brewery Tartarus. Then Boo Boo Less, an American Brown Ale from McElfield's Red Willow and Manchester's Sho Shop, before bailing to head over to Spitalfields. As mentioned previously, the Brick Lane venue is very small, and just like at Mother Kelly's the previous week, it was absolutely packed on a Friday night. But being so small, this made it very uncomfortable. Again, most people seem to be selecting cans from the fridge to drink, rather than draft beers. But in all fairness, I was only there for a short time. My experience at Spitalfields was totally different. It's a nice spacious new bar with 10 lines all taken up with the remaining Calabageddon beers. A long bar that you could sit at plus a kitchen for that time when I would need to take on some food. I kicked off with Devon's Master of Lager Utopian and their collaboration with Sheffield's Abbeydale, an excellent pilsner hopped with Nelson Sovin. I then had the plan to go in ABV order, well, kind of. The lowest ABV beer had been brewed by Polly's from North Wales in collaboration with the organizers themselves, Elusive Brewing. This was called Lamberis Trail, probably not pronouncing that properly though. And that was obviously riffing on Oregon Trail, but it was a sessionable West Coast Pale at 3.8%. Next up was nonetheless, at 4.5% from Birmingham's Glasshouse Brewery, who'd welcomed Red Willow to their place for the brew. Both of these lower ABV beers were really enjoyable. Up to the 5% mark then with Smoke Signals from Bristol's Good Chemistry and Utopian. This was a smoked brown ale, so think of those smoky bacon type notes. Had a nice smoked aroma, but I was really pleased that the flavor was quite subtle on the palate while still retaining enough to qualify as smoky. I followed this up with a palate cleanser of King Pina, a pineapple pale ale from Abbeydale and Good Chemistry, also at 5%. It did its job of cleansing the smoky flavors, I'm gonna stop saying smoky now, and was a delicious beer. That was the seventh beer of the 12, and I definitely needed some food. Luckily, I had ordered some a short while back, and it arrived just as I was finishing the King Pina. An incredible four cheese mac topped with 12 hour braised ox cheek, along with a portion of chunky chips arrived. The mac and cheese was encased in a bread crumbed parcel and deep fried. It was amazing. Cutting into the parcel revealed the delicious four cheese mac inside. Each mouthful contained tender meat, cheesy pasta and the delightful crunch of the bread crumbed packaging. Just telling you about it now actually makes me want to jump onto a train to London and have it again. The chunky chips seasoned with fennel salt were fantastic too. The food had come really at the right time. I plowed on with the remaining beers and inadvertently jumped over the next couple of beers in the ABV order and up to 6.5% with Tartarus's collaboration with Polly's called Quill Prince of Difford. Again, probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, and that was a passion fruit and coconut IPA, which was fantastic. Noting my APV order error, I went back down to 6% with Elusive's home brew, well not home as in home brewing, but their home collaboration leg with the smallest brewery in the dozen, the aptly named Baker's Dozen from Stanford in Lincolnshire. It was a black IPA, no surprise I hear you say, called Portents of Doom. The other 6%er that I had Jumped over was a stout, so I decided to leave that until last. Now I went back up to 6.5% with Shawshank and Moonwake's O for Awesome, a New England IPA which was really good beer. Next came the strongest beer of the collection, and the first time that Sussex Brewery Merakai have come into the conversation. Their 7.2% oat cream IPA called Positivity Juice was brewed with Glasshouse, another really good beer but I was getting the booze on this one. So if you've been doing your maths, you'll know that there was only one beer left, the stout that had jumped over a few beers back. At 6%, it was the only stout amongst this year's assortment. The beer was Baker's Dozen's home collab with Merakai and was a millionaire shortbread stout with the very apt name this time next year. Special mention goes to the brilliant artwork on the pump clip, which was an alien driving Del Boy's three-wheeler with the two breweries logos on the side. A nice beer to round off the evening. So when considering which of the 12 beers I preferred, I settled on two, Smoke Signals from Good Chemistry and Utopian, and poil Prince of Difford from Tartarus and Polly's. The other 10 were all very decent beers, but those two really stood out for me. Before we welcome the first guest, An update on the Christmas crawl mentioned in previous episodes, scheduled for Friday 1st of December to start at Anspach and Hobday's Archhouse Taproom in Bermondsey. However, something has come up for me now on the 1st, and it means that I might struggle to make it there in good time, so I've made the decision to cancel. Sorry to those who said they were going to attend, we'll try to schedule something in the new year when things aren't quite so hectic. Okay so now it's time to have a little chat with someone who contributes to the craft beer economy but not as a brewer slash brewery. Last week I spoke to Eric Abbott from Lallemand, a company that supplies brewer's yeast. Hi Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great Paul, how are you? I'm doing great too, thanks. Uh, So tell me what you do at Lallemand.
1: So uh, Lallemand is a a global company, it's a fairly large company that produces industrial microbes, yeast, and bacteria uh, for different industrial applications. Um, the brewing group is actually one of the smaller groups. The uh, larger groups are baking, uh, enology, distilling. Um, brewing is still relatively small, but uh, it's a rapidly growing group. Uh, and as part of Lalaman Brewing, uh, we produce different yeast and bacteria strains for, for brewing applications. My role specifically is providing support. To brewers who are doing fermentations using our products so i'm involved in creating technical documentation i receive all of the questions that come through to brewing at lalamon.com um, so I, I help out uh, customers uh, from all over the world whether it be home brewers or industrial brewers i organize trials with with some breweries i'm involved in new product development uh, right from the Uh, the idea stage through uh, R&D and pre-launch trials, right right up to product launch and marketing as well. So, I'm kind of an in-between person within the company, have my hands in a lot of different projects. I started off with Labamount working in the R&D lab and since moved out of the lab to a more technical support role. I have a background in biochemistry and botany, and I worked as a, a commercial brewer for about six years before joining L'Alama.
0: Okay, excellent. So you've got a brewing background. That's great. Um, and uh, you're based uh, over in Canada, aren't you?
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. But- in in Canada, we have our, our brewing R&D lab and quality control lab in Montreal, uh, which is where I worked when I first joined the team. And I, I now work from home. Um, Uh, just outside of Montreal.
0: Okay, but you're still providing services and, of course, the yeast to uh, British brewers as well.
1: Exactly, yeah. And we have uh, technical sales managers uh, in um, many different regions around the world. And all of our sales managers are primarily from a brewing background as well. So very, uh, very experienced in the field um, in terms of technical support, not just related to our products, but To brewing in general. Our our motto at L'Allemant Brewing is we brew with you and we really take that seriously. Um, Our primary goal is to help brewers to make better beer um, and we're right there with the brewers um, every step of the way and if you ever have any concerns uh, we provide a very high levels of technical support as well.
0: Excellent okay Um, and of course I mean I I think um, a lot of people will would say that yeast is well it's an unsung hero in beer because people always talk about the hops they always talk about the malt that's used but they don't often talk about the yeast and um, and of course without yeast it wouldn't be alcoholic and so it's a, it's a it's a very uh, important uh, ingredient within beer i want to understand because of course you know as i say we've got lots of different um hops uh, and malts that you can use and even in the hops as well they come in lots of different formats you can you know, you know whole cone pellets of various different types, liquid hops. Does yeast come in different formats too?
1: Yes, uh, yeast comes in liquid and dry format uh, for brewing applications. Um, Liquid yeast is generally propagated on malt, so a properly brewed wort, and basically doing uh, an aerated beer fermentation, so adding oxygen to it to uh, induce more yeast growth. Then the yeast is concentrated and packaged and sent out to customers historically that was the the more popular option uh, with the craft beer renaissance simply because there was more strains that were available at the time it's easier to do smaller scale production volumes and so you you can afford to do um, a very wide variety of different yeast strains Um, dry yeast in the past had a bad reputation for quality and that's because it was only baking yeast at the time. And baking yeast is very different from brewing yeast. You can ferment beer with baking yeast, but the quality control is not the same. Okay. Um, if you go into the QC lab and you you take a sample of baking yeast and put it on a, a Petri dish, it's going to look like a, a zoo growing on that. That's just wild yeast and bacteria. And you don't need the same degree of um quality control for baking yeast as you do for brewing yeast, because you're baking the product. um, It's very quick rise in the dough. and You don't need much else. For brewing yeast, it's um, modern dry brewing yeast is much higher quality than dry yeast in the past. And there's more and more strains becoming available. It's never going to reach the same variety as you have in liquid yeast. um, Mm -hmm. And that's simply because we typically need to produce uh, at least one ton of dry yeast before it makes sense to go to full production volume. Um, so you can't really do small batches in the same way.
0: Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I was looking on your website and uh, saw a couple of products, uh, Brew and Wildbrew. What's the difference yeah. between those?
1: So Lale Brew premium yeast is yeast for brewing uh, regular ales and lagers. Um, The wild brew is our our sour line. Um, So we have wild brew sour pitch and wild brew helveticus pitch. These are two bacteria strains typically used in a a kettle sour process uh, to brew sour wort, which would then be fermented by a regular brewing yeast. Um, We also have two sour yeast strains as well. There's wild brew philly sour, which is a species of Lachancia yeast, that was isolated from a dogwood tree in philadelphia and it that's produces right, it
0: was it was in a graveyard wasn't
1: it yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> at the time i was kind of uh advocating lightheartedly for the the species name Chancia graveyardensis or something like that <laughs> um yeah, it was uh, isolated from a dogwood tree in a graveyard as a part of a student project at a uh, local university, University of the Sciences in wow. Philadelphia. Mm. Um, and it turns out that it was able to ferment very nice beers, produ- producing very sessionable amounts of lactic acid and alcohol in one simple fermentation step. So no need to do a separate separate kettle sour uh, mm. as you would typically need to do for for sour beer production. Yeah, we also have it... Sourvisiae, which is a genetically modified GMO yeast uh, that was uh, produced at the one, one of our affiliate labs in Mas- in Lebanon, New Hampshire, a company called Mascoma. And that's a Saccharomyces servisier typical ale brewing strain that has been modified to include genes that produce lactic acid. Um, right. So it performs like a regular brewing yeast in, in all... Typical senses, uh, except that it produces a clean lactic acid profile as well.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: and that's I mean, only available in the United States for the moment.
0: Right. Okay. Um, I mean, I've had a couple of uh, Philly sour um beers that, yeah, that have been uh, using that yeast, and I, I'm the type of uh, beer drinker that I don't mind sours so long as they are not kind of punch you in the face sour. And yeah. I've often found that the Philly sour ones are exactly to my taste. They're they're nice and you know, calm, sour, I was, I yeah, don't know it, which way it's to a, it, but yeah.
1: it's a gateway sour yeast. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, It doesn't, it's very, very sessionable. Not only does it produce um, nice levels of lactic acid that are very approachable, but it also has a nice stone fruit and apricot ester profile, which you typically don't get from a bacteria fermentation. You would get that maybe from the yeast fermenting after, but this is everything all in one. You get the lactic acid, a nice fruity ester profile and it's very approachable. It's been described as kind of a gateway sour. Very mm. approachable, very sessionable. People tend to say, I don't normally like sours, but I kind of like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned esters there. And, um, you know, obviously with uh, Belgian yeast, it's the famous one that people say is getting a lot of kind of Belgian, uh, like banana-y kind of esters. How, how does that happen? Why why is that happening? What what are the esters? What they, What's the process there?
1: Okay, so... I- esters are produced as a result of yeast fermentation and during, as a part of yeast growth, yeast will produce uh, not only ethanol, but also fusel alcohols, which are alcohols that are a little bit larger than ethanol. There's a reaction between um, an organic acid and alcohol that results in them coming together and forming an ester. So if you have a few different types of fusel alcohols, a few different types of organic acids that are also produced by the yeast... These produces enzymes that will combine these two and form esters. Um, and the, dif- the combination of specific fusel alcohols and specific um, organic acids will produce different esters that have very unique and diverse uh, aroma profiles. So there is the banana, that's isoamyl acetate, mm. but there's many other esters that have uh, different flavors and aromas as well
0: yeah fantastic and you see this is exactly it you know that that the yeast can help to pr- provide so much flavor that you know as i said at the start um, of, of our chat there people go on about what the hops bring to it and what the malt brings to it but uh often ignore what or don't even understand what the what the yeast brings to it so yeah um, in, in the, it's the end important. it's
1: the most transformative ingredient in the brewing process mm. and people in the brewing community talk about biotransformation which is the ability of yeast to produce uh, different flavor of, uh, and aroma compounds from precursors present in the hops basically releasing some of, some hidden aroma in, in the hops um, but the the yeast usually doesn't get the same respect for the fact that it it literally converts more than 10% of the composition of the wort into something uh, completely different
0: mm.
2: Mm, Um,
1: And you're right that it typically hasn't received as much uh, yeast has not received as much credit uh, as it is due. Um, Brewers typically, at least recently, have been putting a lot more emphasis on hops. And you'll see hops, the types of hops listed on the on the package. uh, And that's usually not the same for for malt and for yeast. You will occasionally see it for malt very rarely for yeast, but you're starting to see more and more examples of this, um, yeah. especially for yeast strains like Philly Sour or for Sour or we have another strain that was uh, isolated in collaboration with the uh, Verdant Brewery in the UK, okay. uh, our Ver- Verdant IPA strain. These are right. very nice, very unique strains, and brewers who who invest in in Choosing a premium yeast to produce specific flavor and aroma profiles for their beer, uh, they should be proud of that and put that on the can as well.
0: Yeah, then and we are
1: seeing more and more true. examples of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Verdant, and you know, you can you can tell the Verdant beer when you when you drink it, <clears throat> and partly you know part of that is is the the house yeast they use. So um, that's interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's the house yeast, and one of the <laughs> interesting things about this strain is that it's very very versatile. It responds differently. Uh, to um, different fermentation conditions, it has a very dynamic attenuation range. So de- depending on how you prepare your wort and how you perform your fermentation, you can get higher or lower fermentation to get a give a maltier beer versus a drier beer. Um, it works well in in stouts, uh, IPAs, uh, pale ales. Uh, it's very versatile.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Um, Another yeast uh, strain that's uh, very interesting is the Kvike yeast. Yes. Because, of course, that actually does um, its job quicker than other yeasts, isn't it?
1: It does indeed. Uh, Kvike strains are known for very high temperature fermentations. Uh, Most brewing yeast, if fermented um, above uh, 25, 30 degrees Celsius, will produce uh, a lot of off flavors. Um, H2S, for example, hydrogen sulfide, kind of an... Rotten egg aroma, that could be something you might um, perceive in a very high temperature fermentation with a typical brewing yeast. Kvike, it is astonishingly neutral when fermented warm. And because it's able to ferment uh, at temperatures between 30 and 40 degrees Celsius, it can finish fermentation in 24 to 48 hours uh, with a very clean flavor profile uh, free of off flavors, quake strains, uh, came on the market, um, um, you know, less than 10 years ago. Um, mm. and they were a, kind of an undiscovered, uh, frontier in brewing and yeah. brewing yeast. Uh, just when we thought that, uh, we kind of knew everything about brewing yeast and, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of different strains available, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of a sudden we're hit with this, uh, this completely new discovery of um, a whole class of yeast strains that are unique and able to perform in ways that brewers never thought possible. Yeah, That's something that has been really interesting to see from, um, from a yeast producer's perspective, how, how the, how the yeast, how the brewing industry is um, still very dynamic and active uh, with trends that are changing all the time. Mm, um, yeah. And, and, New yeast strains are are a big part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was reading about, um, uh, I mean, I, I I've, I've had a few um, kvake, uh beers in the past, so I knew about the uh, about the strain. But when I was reading more on it, um, apparently, because it's a Norwegian strain, apparently the word kvik is yeast in Norwegian. So when we say exactly. kvik yeast, we're actually saying
1: yeast yeast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like Um, saying chai tea exactly yeah it's just chai (laughs) um
0: another one that interests me as well is um brett britanomyces yes yeah tell us a little bit about that
1: um and britanomyces is something that you will often find in wild fermentations Uh, there's not many examples of a a cultured um britanomyces yeast um it's a it's a wild yeast. It's a non-saccharomyces yeast. It doesn't ferment beer in quite the same way. And it the reason that it's desired uh, in wild wild fermentations is for the unique flavor profiles. Mm. Uh, so it will produce kind of a barnyard um, <laughs> character to it in in some cases. Mm. Uh, but it also produces enzymes that will will produce esters that you don't normally find in in other types of beers these are fruity esters sometimes uh, tropical pineapple uh, you will get uh, those types of flavors uh, with an extended aging of uh, Bertanomyces fermentation
0: okay okay so that's one that is is that one that you you don't sell them because it's not cultured or
1: no, we don't. We don't have a, a commercial Brettanomyces strain uh, right now. Right. Um, <clears throat> there's challenges to producing something like that. Um, one of them being that Brettanomyces is, is known to be able to hide in brewing equipment. Oh, right. <clears throat> and we don't want any sort of contamination of any of our our commercial brewing strains, even very low levels of contamination can lead to off flavors in in a commercial brewing fermentation. And we take quality control very, very seriously. Um, uh, One of the other challenges with Britannomyces right now is it seems that the market for uh, wild fermentation has um, reclined a little bit. Okay. Um, less people are doing wild fermentations. We're seeing, at, at least in the US, I'm not sure about uh, globally right now, mm. um, like barrel aging programs have been scaled back or eliminated in many cases. Uh. Um, there's more of a trend towards um, lighter beers, yeah. either like yeah. traditional pilsners and lager styles or even lower alcohol or non-alcohol beer,
2: yeah. which
1: is a very recent uh um, avenue for um, for yeast innovation. Uh, our newest strain on the market uh, from Lallemant Brewing is Lalbrew Brew Lona, which is for low alcohol and no alcohol. Uh, it does wow. not ferment maltose, which is the most abundant sugar in brewing wort, uh, and as a result, it has very very low attenuation. And if you if you start with a lower gravity and use a high temperature mash. You can achieve pretty easily less than zero point five percent alcohol by volume, right. which is in most parts of the world uh, what is required for yeah. being considered as non-alcohol. Yeah. And uh, the unique thing about this strain is that it was it was not selected as a, a wild yeast strain, which uh, most of the maltose negative yeast strains are not a domestic um, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, um, and they, they will. Um, All of the other uh, maltose negative strains on the market right now will have uh, phenolic flavor to it. So it will produce a little bit of a spicy clove to it, which is great if you're doing something Belgian or Saison-like or or a wheat beer. But for the vast majority of of beer styles, you don't want that puff character, the phenolic off flavor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's nice to have uh, a maltose negative strain on the market right now that is clean and neutral and derived from um, domestic commercial uh, brewing yeast. So Mm. this strain was uh, developed uh, in collaboration with a a yeast lab in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia or Renaissance Bioscience. And they use traditional breeding techniques that are similar to crop breeding. So they're non GMO and they select for specific characteristics in in the the progeny, and they're able to um, basically produce and select E strains with specific performance characteristics. Um, wow. So at Lattimer Brewing, we're very focused on innovation. We um, we do collaborations with commercial breweries, as in, as the case for the Verdant IPA strain coming yeah. from the Verdant Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, genetically modified organisms, uh, genetically modified yeast uh, produced by Mascoma for the U.S. market currently, um, and collaborations with other labs, uh, Renaissance, uh, which is doing our. Uh, uh, doing yeast hybridization to produce uh, completely novel brewing yeast with ideal performances that address um, different issues uh, in in the brewing market.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Um, I was actually going to ask you um, because I I would imagine that uh, Lalimanda has a, a very active R and D department. Anything coming soon that uh, that will revolutionize brewing that you can tell us about, <laughs> or is it all still secret? <laughs>
1: Um, I can't. I can't really speak uh, specifically to um, anything uh, pre-launch at the moment that is not uh, not released yet. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, we we do have a strong focus on innovation, and yeah. we're we're always looking at releasing new products. Um, there's going to be a, I'm sure, a continued focus on um, hoppy beers. Uh, that's a trend that is not uh, doesn't seem to be reclining anytime soon. Um, we released uh, one product uh, in the past year called ISY Enhance. It's a inactivated specific yeast um, that is intended not as a, a nutrient that provides uh, nitrogen, vitamin and minerals for the yeast, but um, more for enhancing the, the body and mouthfeel and smoothing out oh, some, nice. some harsh flavors in, in a beer. Mm. So this is something that has not been Really, um, really very popular in brewing. Uh, yet, uh, it's something that we've seen. Um, it's a market that has been more developed in 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 wine over the years, um, but mm. we see similar trends uh, coming out with uh, um, in the brewing industry as well. Yeah. So, um
0: okay interesting we
1: keep our ear to the ground in terms of what brewers are looking for in Mm. terms of solutions whether it's new yeast or bacteria strains or process aids or or other type of uh nutrients or uh or other products
0: okay fantastic eric has been excellent chatting with you um i've learned a lot about yeast um as i say Mm -hmm. it's certainly uh quite often the unsung hero but uh I think that you know, given all that you've said, there's there's a lot going on. It's not just about then chuck some yeast in. There's there's a lot of thought that you know, has to go into what what yeast uh, to use. So thanks very much for educating us all about
1: yeast. Oh, thanks very much, Paul. Um, and, and you know we're. We're constantly uh, producing different educational um, resources as well. Uh, I would encourage anybody who's interested in knowing more about Brewing Yeast to sign up for our newsletter. Mm. And any brewers out there that are having any technical issues or want to talk about yeast uh, in any way, uh, feel free to send me an email at brewing at Fantastic. That's
0: great. Thanks very much, Eric. Thanks a lot, Paul. Cheers. Well, I learned a lot there. Hope you did too. But if you're already well versed with everything yeasty, then I hope you enjoyed the chat anyway. It was absolutely fascinating and and yeast is a highly underrated yet incredibly important ingredient in beer. As Eric said there, if you're a brewer, be it home brewing or commercially brewing and want to talk about yeast or get some advice, he's happy to take your inquiries on brewing at lallemand.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay, let's turn our attention to the main guests of the show, a pair of former homebrewers who turned their hobby into a commercial venture earlier this year under the name Mysterious Brewing Co. Welcome to Ken Barker and Adam Sculthorpe Hello, guys. How are you? Hiya. Yeah. yeah, we're, we're good. good thank, you. thank you. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, I can see you guys, but this is a, an audio podcast, so we're going to um, establish voices First off, Ken.
3: Oh, Hello, I'm Ken, one all half right. of Mysterious.
0: Hello, and Adam?
4: And I'm Adam, the other half of Mysterious. So we're <laughs> not so Mysterious now. You've been introduced <laughs> to
0: both of us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I wanted to ask about, about the name Mysterious. Where did that come from?
3: Well, it, it was one of the easier decisions. Of all the things of setting up a company, there have been many things that are taken longer than maybe they should have done. But um, it all kind of stems from the origins of us so... The, well, probably easier if I tell you the origin story of how we became is that me and Adam yeah. met through uh, Reading Amateur Brewers, both keen home brewers. And um, there's a, a local group of people, a local to Adam, uh, they call themselves the Santas, uh, and they do a lot of charity work and they have a, a big uh, beer fest, which is a big beer festival. And alongside Reading Amateur Brewers, they did a competition um, to design a beer that would work, cast and keg, be sessionable. And have like mass appeal basically and uh so i won that and it got to scale it up at elusive mm. and the origin of that beer that i brewed before was um mystery fox
0: mystery fox and, okay.
3: yes so in coming to a name we were like oh, this is like a massive spectrum we need to find a name uh have all of the social media and everything that goes with it and we've riffed on that i mean it took us five ten minutes <laughs> <We> <laughs> suddenly looked at all the socials like i can't believe this there's like there's one obscure podcast in america that doesn't go anymore called um mysterious pod brew or something like that and that was the closest so we quickly just nailed down yeah. all of the the web domains and um yeah all the socials basically so like right great. and, yeah. it, and it obviously it intrigues questions doesn't it because
0: people are always saying why Ooh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, got people asking. That's that's the plan. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? These days, you have to make sure that you know website domains, social um, handles, that they're all available. There's no point in sort of calling yourself something, getting all the branding done, then finding that you've got to be Mysterious Brew One or something like that. Yes, <laughs> you know?
3: yeah, yeah. Your yeah. email is yeah, Mysterious yeah, So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah it definitely. Uh, yeah, it yeah, definitely helped, and yeah, that, that was just pure luck and sort of it's just worked really well for us especially when we haven't we can't answer a question somebody asks us we about a beer, era style or anything we just wow it's, it's mysterious isn't it you
0: know all oh, right so it's a bit of an out as well it's a bit <laughs> of a yeah ooh, you'll have to find out it's a mystery yeah yeah i it like it i like didn't it mean to be that
3: way but yeah <laughs> black your way out of any uh any questions you can't
0: answer yeah, yeah. out of a tight yeah. corner absolutely yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. and so obviously you're only uh quite new at the game so when did when was that start that was um the the beer that you actually brewed for Burrfest, that was 2022's festival wasn't it
4: yeah so uh obviously we only launched in may this year um but mm. the you know the backtrack back to Burrfest last year which was september so it's generally the last couple of weekends in september um ken and i had sort of been mulling around these ideas for for, for a while and um we kind of got to a point where current financial climate to be able to put the investment into launch a brewery we went this is this is not the right time to um to, to, you know to, to put that much money into a business yeah um and uh, during the event at Burfest uh one of the things we helped also organize was a meet the Brewers event and uh, one of the other Brewers from the local area, A guy called Andy Watts from Little London Brewery, uh, which is, you know, conveniently situated between myself and Ken. Uh, We got chatting to Andy and he basically made us an offer uh, that we couldn't refuse to essentially (laughs) cuckoo brew from his pre-existing five barrel kit. Another reason why we were mysterious. All these little kind of things just dropped into place. You know, we we didn't have a true home. You know, we're, we're cuckoo brewing. Yeah, adds to the mystery of the brand, mm. and um, yeah. So we 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 met Andy last year, uh, got talking, uh, and yeah, quite quickly actually. I think we we put together, revised the business plan, and went yeah, this this is this is a potential. We we could do this. So we yeah we we started brewing there in January, uh, and we launched the the Nag's Head in Reading uh, on yeah final week of. Of May last year, uh, oh, sorry, this year. Sorry, uh, yeah. it feels
0: like last year. Well, it's It <laughs> yeah. feels an age. Uh, <laughs> well, that's amazing. It's only been seven months, and yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like we've been doing it for years. <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. Um, are you you mentioned that you had the launch at the Nags Head, um, and there were a few other places that that you launched at over that weekend. I think uh, Hockey Place, the Hive, back of the woods, and Bracknell Beer Festival. Now, there's a there's a figure of how many pints of beer. You sold that weekend. Tell me.
4: Yeah, uh, and we should also add um, the Castle Tap embedding. Oh, okay, uh, it's it's a fabulous little venue. It's maybe not one of the best known, um, but it's it's a great place. So yeah, big thanks to those guys as well for supporting us from day one. But yeah, we, um, well, Ken How and I, fights, was it? Uh, yeah, well, we we sat the day after Bracknell oh, Beer Festival, didn't we? Kind of a bit shell shocked, and out came the calculator. And um, we went, Ken, I think we've just sold 1,700 pints in four days. Wow. Or the incredible. equivalent of... Accro- yeah, we couldn't yeah. believe it. We were absolutely
0: flabbergasted. That's incredible. 1,700 on your opening weekend. Um, it's, well, that's just incredible. Um, I do recall the... Uh, the opening weekend that you had. I was hoping to get to it, but I had other other plans that I couldn't get out of, um, so I couldn't make it. But you were kind enough to send me a four-pack of the uh, launch beers. And I just absolutely adore them. Red My Mind, I think, was my favourite out, out of the four. Um, but they were just great beers. And I think I made a, a comment at the time that it's so unusual for a new brewery starting up to completely nail, you know, maybe one one beer here or there, whatever, but the first four beers that I had of yours, you completely nailed. And sometimes you get a new brewery that you find their way a little bit. They have a good beer, then there's an okay beer. But these four were all just absolutely outstanding. Um, so I, I hear that actually, though, your first brew didn't quite go to plan. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, our, our our first brew was called Plan B so mm-hmm. yeah obviously yeah, yeah in the first so the the first one we were going to brew was going to be the origin and the original um mystery fox which is actually called cursed now right. um, okay. but that's called cursed because well the day i think originally we, we went to brew that first and we didn't have the yeast so we had a, a scramble around and ended up revising another uh, recipe and, and making plan b but mm. when we went to brew cursed uh I lost my van key on the way into the brewery from my van, about <laughs> 200 yards. Um, the first thing that happened, the pump seized. So <sighs> we're like, well, we need to move all that hot water into here. It's like, oh, now set so that to strip the pump. Uh, I think you lost your key on the end of the day. And we were broken. It was a long day, a lot to think about. And uh, learning the new kit and the whole thing. we just just yeah, standing there watching the boil. weren't missing out. Like, this thing's cursed. times <laughs> Because we've done some pilot brews as well to learn um, in, the, in the smaller kit. And, um, yeah, some creases were ironed out at that stage of saying, and like anyone that starts out says, yeah, the first one goes down the drain. You
2: know,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, luckily, we know enough about brewing, obviously coming from the home brewing community. Yeah. to know what had gone wrong and where and how. So, and that's when we sort of straight away, just we invested in um, a couple of big conical uh, fermenters. But, well, yeah. Yeah. we all so, in. Yeah, probably.
0: Yes. So you're brewing a Little London, but obviously you've got your own Yeah.
4: Yeah, we split. We split the, 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 we share the main brew kit, but fermentation, we, we have two separate sort of areas that, that work for us. Right. Um, just because our beers styles are, you know, suited to having DPVs as opposed to conical, um, that's a conical fermentation rather than, um, dish bottom open top. Um, so yeah, we, we made that decision quite early on that we were going to, Organise our own fermentation side of things, and that works really, really well. Mm. Um, but I think what you, know, you were just asking about the whole curse and Plan B, and it, it's you know one of those things that, as a home brewer coming from a home brew background, you're really treated very, very well in being able to get pretty much, with a few exceptions, any hop you want, any yeast you want. You you have such a carte blanche of, of of ingredients.
2: Mm. Um,
4: But you would expect that same availability to to exist in the professional brewing side. And I could absolutely say with true certainty that um, working from spot lists, so we don't have currently, we're not big enough to have contracts in place for ingredients. Yeah. um, Spot lists are incredibly volatile um, and availability of hops particularly can change very very quickly and also um because you're not necessarily working with one particular supplier the alpha contents can change quite radically as well so you know you can be planning on having something with let's say an alpha acid level of let's say four and a half and when it's not delivered you'll end up is only three so then you happen right. to rescale your ingredients and yeah that first opening um couple of brews um were, were a, a learning experience
0: well I mean you know from from a consumer perspective I was tasting these beers thinking oh these guys have just you know rocked up the brewery and just like you know there you go we'll nail this <laughs> out that that's how they tasted obviously the story that behind the scenes is always different but you know yeah. to me to me they they were they were delicious they were they were great beers um, and incidentally talking about beers uh we are currently drinking one of your new ones uh black light a black IPA which I'm really enjoying from the first few mouthfuls. And of course, being in the Reading area, just like Andy Parker of Elusive, I, th- I think it's a rite of passage, isn't it, to brew a black IPA up that, that way. <laughs> soon, You're not accepted into the local beer community
3: unless you do, right? You, you can't mention Black IPA without putting Andy Parker's name on the air. The amount of people we said, yeah. Yeah, we've got a Black IPA, like, or oh, Andy Parker, like that, Do you think he doesn't know? I think the Black IPA, right? I went into the sky, it's like, oh, someone's brewing one somewhere. But, <laughs> I mean, it's obviously from home homebrewing background, and we love the variety of stars. I mean, obviously, we've wound it in a bit. Um, now, commercially selling beer, obviously, well, otherwise, we'd be doing like, really nutty things that we just want to do and living on the edge of sort of the boundaries of what you can do. Mm. But obviously, when you're doing a thousand litres, it's a bit different. So, with this one, we kind of went Cascadian, dark, full on sort of um, traditional, really, with a malt bill. And um, apart from sort of maybe the Amarillo, so it's a light bit of orange on the back end, which some people get, mm. um, some don't, but it's, yeah, it's just a stone wall, I think. Lots of ideas for black IPAs, but it's yeah, if they go, go stonewall from the from the off, really. And, uh, and that's like, um, because this wasn't in our full launch bid. So, when we launched with big yeah. deliberation of what do you launch with, we wanted a variety. And, um, because Adam had said about the red IPA, it's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if you walk into a pub and there's a red IPA, you're like, well, I'm going to have a pint of that, then yeah. I'll think about everything else because mm. you don't see them all that often, no, and to the true. point. To the point we didn't really can that much of it, because well, we don't want it sitting around. And people kind of stand to us now, like, you got any
4: cans of it? It's like, oh, well, I mean, I think mm-hmm. we only did 150. <clears throat> yeah, <we> did about <laughs> 150 cans. Um, wow. We did maybe about eight or nine casks, and we did a load of key keg. And, yeah, we, we, you know, again, in that first phase, we spoke to a lot of people in the build-up. We took a lot of advice from a lot of um you know great friends in the brewing side of things and to try and decide how our splits would work but yeah we got it totally wrong totally wrong with uh Red my mind we thought it wouldn't be that popular in in can we thought mm. you know it's more more of a car sort of beer but yeah we we were sort of blown away by the demand for that beer
0: yeah i know i can see that i can see how maybe it is a kind of nice country pub on hand pull but i yeah i just adored it i'm quite, quite surprised actually that, that you As you say, you did put so few into can, but, you know, it's a learning curve, isn't it? It's a learning curve for sure. Um, Right, so let's talk about the fact that actually still at this point, you guys are running Mysterious as a part-time thing. You know, you're doing, you've got day jobs as well. Adam, what do you do? Uh,
4: So I'm a film cameraman by trade. Um, Somewhat unemployed at the moment, thanks to the um, just-finished American actors strike, yeah. um, but that has meant that I've had a lot of free time to um, put into the brewery recently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now that the uh, strike is over, you expect to be getting a few calls. Well, hopefully, yeah. Uh, but it's going to be that difficult time now, isn't
4: it? Going to be trying to split split time as, as, as you know into the brewery side of things as much as possible. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it it, it's, it came along at the right time to give yeah. me a lot of time to put into the brewery.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Any big name movies
0: that uh, people would have seen? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I've probably over the last 20 odd years, I've worked on everything from Bond to Mission Impossible to from Doctor Who through to yeah documentaries. So, yeah, all sorts
0: wow. of things. E- excellent. Excellent. Ken, what is it you do as your
3: day job? So I'm decorator, part time artist, part time brewer. But yeah, yep. so, you know, I did uh, the tap room, at Andy's tap room in Elusive. Did you really? So that's how I um, okay. part of the getting to know Andy. So I spent a week there painting that.
0: Oh, wow. that's That's interesting because that's great. That's great artwork and it fits so in with Andy's um you know uh style as well with all the eight bit characters i didn't know you did that oh wow okay right i thought i thought we'd had a drunken conversation about that at
3: sire Uh, (laughs) well maybe we did but i was drunk so (laughs) yeah so yeah i've been doing that for as long as i can remember really too long um so yeah now i'm out sort of decorating my decorating bites, and i have been known to stop in Levi's to put brewing clothes on to go into places with beers and saying oh this is our brewery these are beers (laughs) like a really poor superman you know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. but yeah uh, so we yeah. just I mean it's I mean we're taking our skills from sort of from everything really I like, know for like design yeah. backgrounds and things and just realize that how many because we're doing literally everything and we've got friends that come along and help us on brew days and canning and yeah and sorts of things like that but we kind of yeah we're, we're lucky that we're not we haven't just streamlined our jobs down one path we kind of Utilising yeah. at every point, although it's stretching us a little bit, but it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, you know. If you're going to have to do a job every hour of the day, then it must be something fun, you know. From the yeah, enjoy the brewing, and we obviously enjoy going to the pub and drinking it and and getting the first-hand, oh, of course, ex- yeah, experience <laughs> people from what they say. Particularly if you're in a pub and someone's drinking it next to you, because they wouldn't particularly know.
0: No, no, of course, yeah. Do Do you yeah. ever sort of say, yeah, I did that, I brewed that um not always do you not just, like, let him, just... just let them just let them talk about it and just go all oh, right yeah
3: <laughs> yeah Well it's funny because we've run a few beer festivals and helped out sort of because obviously a lot of volunteers normally run them so we've sort of said yeah take some of our beers and we've known the people running them so we we have running especially when people are coming up they sort of they just drink like, neck oil and what have you and they say well i normally drink neck oil and you can sort of recommend mm isn't it but it's good to give somebody one of yours and they say oh, i only really drink lager," so yeah, and you give them like a, <laughs> a light ipa in their lives oh, it's amazing yeah you know, blow their mind by introducing a sour to them um yes we've done that sort of yeah being uh, the sort of the cold face as you like
0: yeah yeah um so with your uh art skills then is as the the design on the cans is that down to you
3: yeah, we both get involved in all of it, really. Yeah, Adam's obviously into design as well. Um, and the the logo took us longer than anything has ever taken us. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's so simple, but we knew that. We'd sort of go into each other like this. and like, Yes, but and forever. I mean, I think it must, It took us months, didn't it? Because we knew yeah. once we had it, we'd have to stick with it and be something we're both happy with. Um,
4: and it's yeah, got learn. to last a long time, that logo. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. But- as Ken said earlier, the, the the name Mysterious Brewing came very, very quickly in the whole scheme of things. But to get that branding right, you know, brewing beer is actually probably one of the, the smallest parts of, of running a brewery. Um, right. And the branding is so important. So, yeah, we, we needed to have something that was recognisable, memorable, with, you know, an icon built into it. Yeah, we had this whole um, design brief that we were kind of building up Sort of looking at the, the you know um, whole plethora of different brands out there, there's you know nearly two thousand small breweries in the UK. Yeah. So we had to come up with a concept that would stand out from the crowd, and the whole design concept uh, was really important. And both of us coming from a sort of visual arts background
2: mm. meant
4: that um, you know we, we had a lot of conversations about it. But <laughs> I think we've come up with something and a style and a lot of people Ken, I'm yeah. sure say to to Ken as well you've really nailed it on the on the um on on the style and branding there's obviously a lot of time and effort gone into it
3: yeah No, it's true. I like it. Again, it looks simple, doesn't it? You think, oh, that's simple. It's taken long, but sometimes the simplest things take the longest. And then, especially people that don't see it immediately because they stare at it and they're like, what is? (laughs) And then normally it's about three seconds of it. Then they get
0: it. Yeah. It's like one of those, um, what do they call them? Uh, The popular mania in the 90s. You had to kind of hold the picture and then sort of magic eye magic eye that's right you have to move yeah move it away and kind of cross your eyes to see something I could, I could never see him i thought that was the
3: biggest ruse going everyone's there yeah, yeah there's a rabbit and like
0: nah, yeah, everyone's no. just pulling my leg i got it sometimes but not every time um yeah it's it's a bit odd really i don't know <laughs> i'm glad that that fad's over actually because it was a bit I'm annoying to <laughs> be yeah I, I
3: couldn't no, get I, my yeah. optician said it's a good thing that you couldn't apparently oh okay it's fair not, enough not good for your eyes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a bloke sitting there wearing glasses. So yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe you were trying too hard. That's what it was. <laughs> um, so obviously, you can won that Reading Amateur Brewers uh, competition to have your beer scaled up at Elusive and served um, at Burfest. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that must have been great. Actually, um, going down to to brew with uh, with Andy.
3: Yeah, it was it was, brilliant. And it was. it was and it was the whole thing was uh, like a bad movie sort of scene, because I've literally <laughs> gone there and painted for a week. I'm going to really pick Andy's brains, and he just kept saying, join Reading Amateur Brewers, it's the best thing you do. I'm like, well, I'll have, it's on a Thursday, and I'll have to get a train. So just join them. So he give me other sort of pearls of wisdom, but um, ironically, I went there, and then the first competition I entered, I was back there brewing, so it was like, oh, yeah, oh, good advice. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, it it's, not the, <laughs> it's not the route one advice you're looking for. Um, but yeah, that was great, so yeah, I got in there, um, brewing with him, and uh, Ricky getting in the mash tun getting it all out so yeah learned a lot of that. and then i thought there's still no way of getting into the the brewing industry and sort of people well, particularly well, you've met sarah my wife and she says yeah. now she goes yeah i knew you'd get into it in some way i'm like well you clearly knew like a year and a half before i did So <laughs> i was like no nah, because i couldn't see a way in really and i wasn't looking that hard yeah um, and then it just sort and you are always do... as
0: as the person involved you're always perhaps um maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome oh yeah yeah is, yeah and i suppose
3: of... a perfectionist would say that but i'm not a, yeah yeah but no definitely, <laughs> yo, definitely definitely got imposter syndrome you know right, we're turning yeah. up but so we're going to like peak ender and we're just sitting with the vip bit all the brewers and big breweries and, <laughs> like oh, this is great just yeah rubbing shoulders with sort of heroes as such yeah um, but yeah it's been fantastic but like um I've, adam thinks the same is now we because we still pop along to the um homebrew meetings when we can mm. and you sort of see it in a slightly different light i mean they are brilliant if you homebrew you definitely get along to your homebrew club but now we see them and they're, they're some people when they're passing their beers around and they're looking for something that's not there because it is one of them events where mm. people offer up to sort of say um, what do you think's wrong with this what, what does it need yeah sometimes they're just amazing beers they don't need changing um but yeah you're in that brutal brutal cauldron really haven't you <laughs> having your beers checked so yeah,
4: yeah but, but yeah no, i definitely recommend the, it I'd, I'd definitely you know add to what ken said there is that the the caliber at, at rab is, is is amazing you know it, there's some absolutely fantastic beers so every month when we go and go along to a, a club meet and uh we we do a sort of uh, bottle share yeah there's Absolutely amazing beers that, that that come out of that club, and uh, it's one of the biggest in the country. So it's it, it's right. you know probably good sort of thirty five active members. You know, it puts it on a par with you know certainly Lab and Nab, and um, yeah, uh, mm. just a yeah you know, the the calibers brilliant, and it's a great bunch of guys and, and girls, and you know, um, yeah, we definitely wouldn't be where we are today without um, no. Rab and the support of that club. Yeah. And I, yeah, absolutely. If you are even have a, just want to try brewing, even if you don't have a homebrew kit, um, go along to your local club because collabs and you know happen in the amateur world as well. You know, it, it's, okay. it's nothing better than a, on a Saturday or a Sunday going round to a mate's house, cracking open a beer, doing a bit of brewing, and just learning. Uh, mm. And I certainly did that right at the start. Yeah, uh, yeah, and. You know, uh, and um, we've hosted people to come round and, and do collab brews on a homebrew level, and it's great. You know, yeah. it's such a such a great sociable group of people, and you learn so much. We've got scientists in that group that you know will go and do gluten analysis, and <laughs> you, and you've got you know um, people that you know just have an allotment, or, or and, and, yeah, it's just such a broad stroke of you know of people but we all love beer and we all come together and we share beer and it is yeah it's really good
0: yeah no it sounds fantastic now you're talking about collabs there in the homebrewing world are you guys doing any collabs with mysterious uh, well We've got one on monday Oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: funny right. you mentioned that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh disruption is uh, ascot's craft arm mm. um yeah we're down there i'm not even allowed to say what we're brewing are we i'm not sure
4: um, well, we're 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 <laughs> brewing something interesting that will be out in early December, and we shall keep it under wraps for now. Yeah. But okay. yeah, um, right, watch, yeah,
0: so, watch the space. Watch
4: all, it's really exciting. It's our first sort of um, collab uh, with a large brewery, um, mm. and John's been amazing. He was like, "You guys are coming and brewing with me, you know, from, from day one, pretty much, wasn't he?"
3: Yeah, it's, wow. it's great. And We have sort of messaged him, sort of saying, "We've got a problem with this," and they just, we've got um, an army of head brewers in places that just said, that just, just message us." Like, obviously, Andy, pardon. oh, that's um, amazing, double power and they're just so open. If they if they know the answer, they'll tell us.
0: And yeah, it, it, it so. continually amazes me, even though I've heard it so many times, just how the community just does. Rally together. um You wouldn't get it anywhere else in any other industry at all. I don't understand why why it is so. Uh, you know, uh, amongst particularly with like Andy or the guys at Siren or Double Barreled, you know, breweries that are on your doorstep that ordinarily in any other industry would look at you know each other as competitors. Yeah, but no price
3: here, But
0: but no, exactly. The they're they're all they're all they all get together. They all want. You know, everybody wants everybody else to succeed, um, which is incredible. It's fantastic. I, I wish many more industries were like it, but sadly not. I think you've
4: absolutely nailed it there by just saying, you know, everyone wants everyone to succeed. Mm. Uh, and that's absolutely true. Um, beer and brewing and the love of beer is, is not like a one brand kind of thing. As a consumer, you're not going to go, I'm only going, you know, you might only buy one flavour of crisps, but when you you go into a pub, you're excited to go and try a range of things. So, mm. from a brewing perspective, uh, and you know, uh, obviously we're part of uh, the Berkshire and you know, the, the the Reading beer scene, which is you know so strong at the moment. We've got some absolutely massive hisses here. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to see everyone succeed because if we're all producing good quality beer. It's going to open up um, craft beer to a big audience, yeah. um, and so yeah, from day one. Uh, so even before we started brewing, and you know, even in the homebrew side of stuff, the homebrew club is supported by pretty much every brewery in the local area. They'll they'll help or talk or you know offer prizes. You know, it, it's amazing. But once we've come over into this side, you know, I'm just thinking back Ken, to that those first few months of us brewing and getting our launch beers together and what was wild weather, which is a really sad demise of of a brewery that did some amazing beers. Yeah. Um, Mm. They were sort of three miles, if that, from our brewery. And, you know, I remember calling them up going, our yeast hasn't turned up. We're, you know, we're brewing today. Um, An unnamed um, postal service lost lost our delivery of yeast and i made a phone call going uh i don't suppose you've got some us05 and they're like yep we've got loads in the cupboard just come and you know come and help yourself to anything we've got here um just replace it once you once your stock turns up uh
2: yeah
4: and we you know from that moment onwards um it's been amazing even so now that we're loaning like labeling machines to local breweries so you know even as right, the small yeah. as the minnow you know we had a call a few weeks ago going look we're doing a special run of, of beers and um we you know our big uh, labeling machine isn't going to be able to do it could we borrow yours and we're like yeah absolutely great you know we it's, it's minuscule to what you've helped us with but yeah we'll, we'll definitely help you we'll drop it over and and it's great yeah absolutely great
0: I suppose you like you enjoy the opportunity to give back. So everybody's been so good to you that when somebody asks some for something, you're like, "Yes, I really want to help you. Please, please come and get this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just pass it on, don't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned yeast there. Uh, that you know it was the yeast that you were after. I've had a chat with Eric from Lalimand, um, which is also on this episode. By the time people are listening to this part, they'll have also already listened to that part, and we were saying how yeast. Is actually quite an unsung hero, given that actually it does the heavy lifting in, in making beer alcoholic. So you know, it's a rather important a- ingredient. Yeah. But unlike beer label, you know, can labels, bottle labels, um, you know, people will go, breweries will go into detail about the hops they've used and 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 the malt they've used. But sometimes they'll just mention, oh, yeast, and there's yeast in this. They won't say that USO one or the you know. Um, whichever sort of type of use there are what i mean what do you think of that
3: well i mean ours are labeled on the side of the can so you'll know what yeast we've used uh, that's I'm, I'm really i'm really thing. pleased you said that
4: <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a home brew thing because <laughs> there's a few breweries out there that do it uh can yeah. yeah, i had this conversation early on going you know let's put that information on the can
0: yeah yeah yeah,
3: yeah us05 in this one excellent yeah and i'll to people that like that's if good. they that's want right. our recipe then through it because again people have helped us out we've given it to home brewers and things and if people want to have a go at it we're not going to keep any secrets mm. from it but yeah so we put like as much information on there Sort of, it just, it's just a bit of an education as well really you know because people that don't know much themselves think well i like that hop taste what is it especially if it's only got one or two hops in it and then they can look out in future for beers with that hop in it because that's yeah. the only way you're going to learn and people are sort of may be afraid to ask questions because they don't know what the industry's like and if you ask the wrong person then you get a kind of gatekeeper so yeah we just kind of put it out there really without bamboozling people Mm. and Mm. yeah just thought it's a nice little touch
4: yeah
0: no it is those who are
4: interested those who are interested will pick up on it and for those that it means nothing they're just enjoying the beer it's just a little bit of real estate on the can but yeah Yeah. um a lot of people have mentioned that we put that information on there and yeah it's good yeah, I mean
0: as you say, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't it's not You're not um, you know, taking up space that could be used for something else because it's only a little, you know, yeah. some some little tech. So um so why not why not put it on? Absolutely. Um now I've uh, obviously, you know, we're gonna get on to another one of your beers um shortly, which uh, is rather experimental and unique. Um, but I've I've noticed uh that your beers are the kind of they're on the experimental side of traditional, but without going too far, and too too out there. Is that how your brewing style is, or is that because you're just starting off? We had, from a business planning perspective, we don't have
4: a tap room, we don't have our own outlet, so mm-hmm. we are reliant upon uh, pubs and bottle shops and venues to pick up our beer and sell it for us. Yeah, and certainly. Um, in your early days, you're not going to have a huge amount of footfall on your website because people don't know that you you exist. Mm -hmm. So we made a really critical decision on day one about how we were going to create our beers and our approach to it and, you know, our style and, you know, how we were going to basically market ourselves. And and the key thing with us is that um, we are producing hop-forward classics, you know. So we take a classical style And then as you've just said yourself, you know, we just push it a little bit further. We go to that little bit of experimental end, but it's still very approachable. It's still Mm. a beer that you're not going to be scared off. You know, we're not doing a lemon, raspberry, chopped chip, um, burger, sour, (laughs) you know, that you're going to look at it and go, what the hell is that? You know, Um, and maybe if we were really well established and we had our own like uh venues we were gonna go okay we can take a gamble with that because we've got enough footfall to be able to sell a batch
0: yeah and by that time you might have like a little pilot kit anyway the way you can do like a, a short a small run of it
4: yeah and that would be a lovely place to be you know but right now you know with our time constraints of both being you know um into jobs essentially um we're talking to our um, customers. Uh, you know, we came up with okay. We're going to be within that 3.5 to 5.5% as our kind of ballpark. Um, we're going to be um, sessionable. We're going to be approachable, but we're going to have a diverse range. Um, but they're all going to fit within that um, bubble of um, sellability, really. Yeah. And that's a commercial aspect. You know, so we've tried to do that. Um, range, you know, if you, you look at everything we've done from black IPA, stout, um, the beer that we're about to try in a minute and crack open that I'll uh, we'll talk about later, <laughs> to um, traditional English pales, you know, to red IPAs, mm. um, to the Pilsner that we've done, they're all pushing at the more interesting end of the end of the scale, but they are all planned to be something that we can actually sell make some money because at the end of the day it's tough out there really tough out there it's not tough tough out there just for breweries it's massively tough out there for pubs and bottle shops and you know um we we see maybe not as many as there were going under but it's really scary to sit there and go wow look at these big names going under Mm. uh you know we've had a really sad demise of a, a great um venue in reading recently a grumpy um, goat. with the grumpy grumpy goat i mean look yeah. at wild weather look at mm. um places that have been, been around you know a long time i think wild weather was like 10 years they've been pumping out you know um really um interesting Uh, 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 and and a real wide
0: wide range of beers i think totally pushing the envelope in in, (laughs) uh, a lot of beers for wild weather to be honest but yeah yeah Yeah. but even then you look
4: at other places that just push out bog standard uh, that's that's a traditional yeah traditional (laughs) but they're struggling you know uh, and and we had to do something that meant that we are going to support our customer base you know we're going to make beers that people actually want to buy in a pub because mm. the, what's the point? Otherwise we're not going to be here this time next year. If we, if we do go, go too wild. Yeah, um, sure. And that makes Even though we keep raiding ourselves back and going, mm. Oh, it'd be great. We really want to do this but you
3: know yeah. you should see the stuff that goes in the bin <laughs>
4: that'd be great one, i'll though. just say that just like say that the, the paper notes not the beer <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah yeah that makes makes perfect sense makes perfect sense so as you say you you got to brew what you think is going to sell especially as you're, you're you're small at the moment um so you can't afford to to sort of have a vanity project that uh, ends up just not catching on and not selling because it's just not catching the interest of people um but in your business plan is there a time scale to when you think you might then move into your own premises, have your own tap room, go full-time?
3: Not an exact time scale, because I suppose we're sort of dictated by circumstances and everything, and obviously the, the nature of the beer world. But obviously, mm. yeah, our, our goal is our place, our tap room, in the right place, which we wouldn't even know where that is yet because if we ask anybody who owns a brewery, they're the same thing. They might have waited years for a particular place I mean, they're bus route or a station but it obviously can't be really expensive so it's yeah uh, yeah it's uh, like how we've got into it I think there's gonna be a lot of circumstance we'll do all the homework we can but Mm. we'll yeah we'll just keep our eye on everything that's going on what's happening and hopefully just naturally progress to that situation But yeah that unmistakably that is our goal to be doing it full-time our tap room yeah just never there's no
4: need to to rush these things no, you know, I, I was just about to say that. The thing is, you know, there's some amazing people out there that have taken their time, who are still small, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, in a good place. And, you know, we're in this for the long haul. We want to leverage, you know, our finances in a way that works for us uh, and is secure for us. You know, we could go and spend half a million quid tomorrow if we wanted to, take out, couple of huge loans remortgage the house you know, both our houses mm. um but we would be playing catch-up constantly yeah um and now is not the time to be doing that
0: you no, know big big risk yeah no yeah.
4: True. Um, yeah so let's let's go steady build up a, a solid customer base a solid reputation uh, and build it up over time we're not in a rush to do this mm. but we are in a rush to do things properly
0: yeah, no, I, I I respect that absolutely. That sounds like a like a, a very good plan to have. Right, okay, then it's time to crack open the mysterious beer that we've alluded to. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> uh, all this time, and that is your Sitka Spruce ESB, five point eight percent. I'm just gonna open this up and give it a nice pour. Right, so whilst I do this there is uh, an extremely interesting story about where you sourced or how you sourced the main ingredient to this game. Yes, yeah,
3: so in spring, I um, went up to Scotland to get the spruce. So the origin of this beer was another uh, homebrew competition win uh, when Wild Weather were um, still in production. And the, the prize was to um, brew it with them. But unfortunately, they weren't around long enough. So, one, one of their staff already came and brewed it with us the, the day that we brewed it. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so, um, Tara's got, uh, well, my wife's got, um, aunt and uncle that live in Scotland. And, um, yeah, so he was on the hunt seeing when the spruce tips were ready. And it was like a, yeah, it's a candy from a baby, basically. There's so many trees on the different side of the hills growing at different stages to the point where you literally were just like, it through as you go and they're just wow. really sticky and the air quality of there is so good yeah oh, about an hour north of Glasgow and um yeah. yeah so we picked six kilos of them six kilos six wow. kilos it was <laughs> an 850 litre batch yeah so um yeah <laughs> brought them home and um oh, brew day was amazing just smelt like living inside a Christmas tree because the whole <laughs> I mean, 10 minutes before the end and the whole place just has that and spruce has got so Being the tips some people say "Oh, i've had a spruce beer before and it's really woody and piney but i think that's when we use more sort of the branches but the tips Mm. give it that real delicate kind of well people people have a lot of different
0: descriptors for it some people get cinnamon some people get dr pepper Um,
3: yeah
0: i'm just trying to figure out what i'm getting actually it's um it is definitely a taste i'm not i'm not used to um not unpleasant at all very nice but yeah I'm, I'm getting a kind of a, a, a definitely a bit of a spicy uh notes on, on the back of my tongue. Um, it is a, there's a bit of sweetness in there as well. I mean, that might not necessarily be from the spruce, that might be from something else, but yeah, that's um
3: the ESB. Yeah, so in the ESB, because I yeah. in, my, in my head that uh, them spruce tips on top of an ESB just perfectly because it's malty, there's a mm. residual sweetness because it's um got golden syrup in right. the brew. So that doesn't fully ferment out. So it leaves that bit of sweetness. Mm. And um, it was partly inspired by a, a siren bit. So they did their barista um, series. It, uh, All right. Maybe it was their eighth birthday, seventh or eighth birthday. And they did an ESB with coffee. And yeah. It was amazing. And that made sense to me because the sweetness on top of the coffee. Mm. Um, so then I instantly thought, well, I can nail the ESB. Then, yeah, having that sort of, that spruce on top. And, of course, being a natural ingredient, you really, yeah. Yeah. You're praying that it does actually turn out how you want it. Yeah. With the hops, you can kind of do the maths on the alpha acids and what have you. But um but not the spruce, not the spruce. We're we're really proud of it. And this is great to give to because we had this at beer festivals, and you say, Well, try this, and you see, because no one's expecting it. And even if you explain it, you can't really
0: expect what you actually get. Mm. No, it's really, really interesting. Beer, yeah. Very nice. Um, so you uh Obviously, the, the name comes from the type of spruce tree. So uh, there are two types of uh, uh, spruce trees that we have in the UK, Norwegian, which are yep. generally Christmas trees, and Sitka. Yeah, so, I think they're both types of Christmas tree. Okay, uh, but, then, but the Norwegian not, is more common, is it perhaps? Um,
3: Norwegian, but well, not where I was picking it. <laughs> <The> sitka, <laughs> I think the Sitka's a faster growing um, right. tree. Apparently, they're really good at storing carbon until you start cutting it up. Until so you start putting them in beer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so apparently all your furniture should be made of um of sitka spruce trees because it oh, stores right. carbon. Yeah. Oh. Um, but it's also it's um tea tree comes from it. So that's got that sort of oh, not medicinal, okay. but that kind of um Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I
3: think yeah. it's it's so I know, hard to put the descriptors on, isn't it? <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what
0: you mean, absolutely. But no, I was thinking that obviously you've called it sitka after the type of spruce tree. Of course, yeah. if this was a beer that Brew York made. It it would definitely be called Spruce Springsteen, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, no, we but, but of course, um, because the homebrew club had run competitions two years running. Yeah, I think every
0: pun had been made that we'd seen. So like let's just avoid well, the spruce it's, well, absolutely avoid the pun. But there was the obvious one. There, I mean, Spruce Springsteen would obviously be a, a a one that everybody would know. But yeah, there's the obvious one because because of course, Ken, you went and picked the spruce. Oh, Ken, Ken Spruce. Ken Spruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: true.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Sitka, I think Sitka's better. I'll I'll
3: yeah. stop with, well, I'll stop with the puns now. <laughs> it, it, you'd say it's better, but we brewed this within two weeks of brewing another beer, which we didn't think because we didn't do it phonetically, was the citra, the citra triangle. Oh, so we brewed right. it and we kept, and only that Adam was one end of the brew. He says, Oh, can you pass me a, a case of the citra? And like about the sitka. He said, No, the citra, and my face drains like, Oh, what have we done we had actually <laughs> said it out loud because when you write it down they're like it's quite different different but, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> so you got
3: to pay attention when people are ordering it
0: yeah absolutely um but um i was reading as well that you learned about spruce um and how to handle it in in a beer on a brewery tour in canada
4: yeah so um last year i went over to vancouver to visit some friends um and uh we uh, my wife at the time when I booked the trip didn't quite realize the sort of beer orientation of, of wanting to go to Vancouver and wanting to go to um you know the whole uh sort of British Columbia district uh, of um of Canada mm. um i've been a few times and the beer scene out there is amazing and um one of the breweries i've kind of gone no, i really want to go and visit this brewery is uh, tofino which is pretty much the most westerly point of of canada you can go on vancouver island yeah
2: um
4: and um yeah i emailed andy who's their head brewer yeah. and you know said i'm coming over i really want to have a chat to you um about your beers i particularly heard of, um, you know, you're one of the few breweries that actually does a spruce beer. Um, And um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting to kind of go and spend some time with him, sat down chatting through you know, how they work with spruce and um, what their theory behind it is. And Tofino, particularly as a brewery, their whole thing is about the natural elements. If you've ever been to that part of Canada, you know, it is, the weather plays as much um, to, to life as it does in the UK. You know, everyone's mm. always talking, it's raining, you know, it's it, it's snowing, it's hot, it's cold. Um, and so for them, you know, they designed beers that are supposed to, I mean, they had a, 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 a beer that's made with kelp, you know, which is, okay. um, mm. and they are right on the, uh, on the Pacific Ocean. And so they wanted to make a beer that was, um, you know, connected you with the sea. know a little bit salty and that that uh, Mm. absolutely fabulous beer and also they're in these massive pine forests that are just you know trees that are you know 15 foot thick you know they've been there for thousands of years i mean it's um so yes spruce is a big thing about about that and it was yeah it was a great kind of exploratory mission um my wife, at the end of this trip, said, uh, "I now know why you wanted to come here. We've just done about two breweries every day for the last three weeks." <laughs> um, but she loved it, you know. Um, you know, she had a great time, and we went to some amazing places. But yes, um, you know, um, I think it's really important to learn from others. Uh, and again, going back to this whole mm. open door um, philosophy that many breweries have is that you know if the brewer's got time to chat to you you know you can properly chat to a brewer and i you know i I fully support that because we you know i came back with loads of notes and we were kind of going okay this works that works in fact the red that we did for our launch beer kind Mm. of came from that because one of the things that i asked the question um and north america tends to be around 12 18 months ahead of the uk and in their beer world and you know um styles that kind of start making a little bit of buzz and then it kind of travels over to the to the uk from there Uh, and hopefully at some point we can start doing the reverse and sending things back in that direction Mm. um was red you know um yeah one of the comments that i had from a lot of the brewers that i sat down with was that you know the um the beers that you kind of go out there and go i'm coming out there because i want to try this hazy or i want to try this West Coast, or I want to try this classic North American style, they're going, people are a bit done with it, you know. <laughs> Actually, I spent a lot of time talking about bitters, yeah. you know, and um, even like ESB and, you know, the, the the big traditional kind of beers because they're kind of going, people want something a little bit different. And it, it was a really interesting conversation because, we uh, you know, we were talking about spruce and I was kind of going all this out there side of things uh, that side of things but then those people were going asking about well talk about red ales, you know we're, we're just about to do a red ale and and i came back to, uh, and sat down with ken and went i think we need to do a red ale and um i think that should be in our opening lineup and yeah <laughs> you know and there, like there it is said, yeah, yeah. There it is, you know, there, there it is. was, you know, and it was, it was really interesting and I'm still in touch with it and it's, you know, Andy you know, every so often I'll get an email or I'll ping him an email and it's, mm. it, it, it's really cool to have that kind of connection with somebody thousands of miles away, but, you know, yeah. um, you know, absolutely in, in entwined with what we're trying to do. A few years back, I was on a work trip and um, I've never got so close to uh you know deciding actually i could very happily live here you know i said to my wife you know when we were in tofino i said i haven't told you this but you know 18 months ago when i was out here for that business trip and i was in victoria which is you know the um the,
2: the, the main
4: island. yeah, yeah uh, the main main city in the island but also um the state capital of um um british columbia mm. i said i, I I was suffering from jet lag and I went for this walk and it was December and you know, I was sat on this bench looking out over this bay and next to me, uh, and I'd just got this amazing coffee from this little kind of little coffee shop um, and a little cinnamon bagel. And it was, it was just like the most idyllic moment. And next to this bench, there was a bin and I had my passport in my pocket and I have never in my 40 odd years of, of life been so tempted to just put my passport in that bin wow. and go um you know i could live here
2: yes yeah. this,
4: this is just the most amazing part of the world yeah um, it and is. Um, it is. yeah it's it's stunning and our trip recently kind of went yeah i could
0: really live here I uh, totally agree. Absolutely beautiful part of the world. Um right, so uh, let's get on to some uh, events. I um, to talk about something that you've had recently but also something coming up. But let's start with the uh, the, the one that's passed. And it's quite intrigued me. Run Ding. <laughs> okay, so uh-huh. what had the, the it was it was as a run collab. I want <laughs> yeah. I want to know what happened. This sounds really really interesting. <laughs> what 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 was it all about? Okay, there was a bit so, of a split
3: in uh, in us, really, wasn't it? I did the walking yeah. between pubs. Adam's a keen <laughs> runner. <laughs>
4: well, I wouldn't say that keen. Um, so, um I'm 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 a non a, a new convert to to running. Uh, Ken, I think you used to run, but no longer. No. um But um yeah, a couple of years ago, I had a moment of kind of going, you oh, know what? I'm going to try running, and. Um, uh joined the hash house harriers which is basically uh a drinking club with a running problem um <laughs> and through that uh, um kirsty who's one of the um uh, sort of sales and events manager at double Bowled, is also a member of the uh, uh, of um the Berkshire hash House harriers um and uh we know dane from phantom is a keen runner as well and uh Kirsty set up a running group at Double Barreled called Run Ding. And we we just we were just chatting over a few beers at one point. She sort of said, Do you fancy doing a collab? And I was like, Oh, amazing. Yes. Let's do a collab with double barreled. That'd be awesome. And she went, No, no, running. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? It was a huge amount of fun. We had 70 odd runners turn up. Now we you know the week beforehand, you know, Kirsty and Dane and I sort of shared a few sort of like emails and WhatsApps and we were like, well, I don't know, it could just be twenty of us and yeah, we turned up outside Reading Station at you know half past eleven on that Sunday morning and we were like, Blimey, there's a lot of people here and they're all in running kit. Um so yeah, we had about seventy people turned up. Uh, we had some amazing support from Um, you know some of the pubs in 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 reading and uh yeah we we we've truly christened christened the whole um collab brewery run clubs you know so um yeah in a nutshell
3: it's uh run to two breweries and four pubs was it
4: yeah so it was um yeah it was uh seven miles and and six pubs it was all kind of a bit heavily weighted at the front end. I will say that, but we <laughs> we got the most of the mileage out of the way by the time that we had done um, Phantom Double Bowed and then back into the Fox and Hounds at Caversham. So that was the heavy lifting done. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we were Ale House, Nags Head and uh, the Greyfriar, um, you yeah, know, hosted us for the rest of the evening. And it was a huge success. Did like and, stop, um, stop
0: off for a pint at each one? Was, was that... It was <laughs> one, maybe two. There were definitely <laughs> some people
4: that, by the end of it, had, had um, were walking the last little bit from the Nags down to the Grey Fire. But right. it was brilliant. We we had uh, obviously a lot of local runners, uh, but we even had a um, big shout out here to the um, guys from Olaf's Ton in Southampton. Um, you know these guys had jumped on the train, they'd travelled up from Southampton, they um, they made it to the end uh, and they were one of the last lot to leave the um, the fire. Um right. And um, yeah, I can't wait to go back and do a, uh, a sort of running pub crawl around Southampton. So the challenge has been set if you guys are listening. Um, the right. uh, Ola's Tun um, running club, we want to come and do one with you guys. But yeah, it was great. It was such fun. Uh, everyone loved it um, so much, so that I'm sure Kirsty and Dane won't mind me saying that there are plans afoot for at least another one next
0: year. So, yeah, right, okay, fun. excellent. So, run run ding may be back in 2024. Obviously, the ding comes from Reading. So, is that, does that mean then that if you do one in Southampton, that's going to be run Tun? Oh. Uh, yeah,
4: or or, or <laughs> one sing.
0: Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> <Run ding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could be. Excellent. That sounds very interesting. I'm not singing when I'm running. I'd just like to put that out there. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, and you also had uh, you, you're talking obviously about the beer fest that you uh, that you you know you poured your your first beer out in 22, uh, but there was also a Burtoberfest. Yeah, I saw, so saw pictures yeah. of you two in your Lederhosen.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, how sexy. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, don't
0: worry. I've, I've been I've been there on an event in Munich. Um, sadly, not for Oktoberfest. Well, I have been to Oktoberfest, but um, I went I went to uh, an event in Munich and uh, they had rails and rails of different sizes of Lederhosen and you had to go into the room and pick out something that fit. And then we basically walked from the hotel to the uh the place where we were having the dinner and the and the and the obviously lots and lots of beer in this lederhosen having lots of uh shall we say yeah amused glances of of uh, I mean no many of the you know munich locals T- probably didn't give us a second glance because you know it's normal for Got them first yeah but, yeah but some of some of the tourists around probably were like oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i've been there i've been there so i feel i feel your pain <laughs> yeah
3: so it was um we brewed our first lager and it was coming up sort of october i don't know what came first i think it was actually the lager weren't we, we were like well it's gonna be ready for october so um yeah and because again because we don't have a tap room we thought we'll we'll um we hired um uh, the hall in Burfield and we yeah, we uh, had all the um the bench seating, uh, decorated the whole thing up. Umpar band, which we didn't realise that uh, the umpire band then went into doing sort of classics, didn't they? So everybody was up and dancing, and right. it was just a brilliant atmosphere. Also we hired in the steins, so everyone's drinking it by the two pints, and it was just yeah, fantastic night here, and such a nice. good time. It was nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah it,
4: it's it's a big part of our plan as ken said we don't have a tap room so we need to take mysterious to the people you know we we need to get on the road um so uh, yeah our first little dip in you know dipping our sort of toe in the water was okay what can we do that um will definitely get people interested definitely get people talking um and um yeah it was it was kind of what's a big beer drinking kind of related event well it's Oktoberfest, isn't it um and um yeah. yeah as ken said we we're going we we need to do a craft pilsner we need to do something that um is um in that part of the uh, the spectrum of, of, of craft beer mm. and uh yeah it was kind of the obvious thing to do and you know we um we have plans um for many more events you know next year and um now we know that you have lederhosen um it was on higher it was on higher <laughs> yeah. yeah not the way by you explaining that we, we <laughs> yeah. know and and your and your smile now yeah <laughs> no it definitely um, was
0: it definitely was
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but yeah no um you know it it was a huge success yeah. um we, we we kept it small, just to kind of you know enable us to kind of do that first event uh, and kind of um, work out the ins and outs. Um, we had a great sort of partner in that event with a local bakery that um, is actually next door to the brewery, um, and um, they made all this amazing Bavarian uh, food. They got in. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know authentic Bavarian um, breakfast and you know, it's a huge success and the, mm. the band were amazing you know and um, yeah we 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 had a I think we did 120 tickets you know so it wasn't massive mm. um, we sold out and uh, it's just energized us now to kind of go right you know Places that are have a high pop density population, they might not necessarily have pubs anymore. Yeah, um, where I live, Burfield, you know, we we have um, pubs around, but we don't have a venue in in Burfield. And so we've identified a few places for next year. So yes, watch out for Mysterious uh, Brewings October 2024. You know, mm. we have plans afoot to bring it to multiple venues over a couple of weekends. Uh, And, you know, we've got plans for other events um, that will be just as much fun, a little bit themed. And, um, yeah, it it works, you know, and you've got to get a buzz. You've got to get people excited. And when you get people excited, you know, they're going to make the effort to come along. um, And,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it it works extremely well. Um, And I think, yeah, yeah. I like, I like that thinking. Uh, Absolutely. You're you're totally right. You don't have your own tap room and a lot of breweries would just sit back and say, well, okay, we'll, we'll just make do with putting out our beer into pubs and, uh, and, and other bars and bottle shops and just, you know, wait until we get a tap room. You're, you're saying, right, well, until we get a tap room, we'll make sure that there are ways for people to engage or, or for you to engage actually with, with your, your customers. And on that topic, Tomorrow you have a meet the brewers tasting night at India Go Bakes uh, in Basingstoke, don't you? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, abs-
4: absolutely. Uh, and you know this kind of all goes into that ethos of getting out there, getting known. And we, we've we've got a few coming up. Um, so um, yeah, we've we've got another one coming up in December in Reading, uh, and we're talking to a couple of venues for January. You know, again going back to this whole supporting our venues. And supporting mm. our customers, so you know, January is a tough time for pubs and venues. So we want to try and help them get football into their venues. Uh, so yes, our tasting nights are a little bit different. We take tasting, not just the beer, but into the ingredients. We don't want to give too much away, but I'd say that the feedback we've had from previous events has been, you know, outstanding. Um, we we really take people on a little bit of a journey that it's not just about, you know, having a flight of beers and talking about the beers, we're talking about the ingredients and how, you know, not only food pairs with beer, but also how the ingredients actually uh, and the recipes developed through the flavours that you get from those beers, uh, So from those ingredients d- that develop into the beers. Uh, yeah, we, we're at Indigo uh, tomorrow night um, and it's just a small venue. There's 25 tickets, you know, it's really exclusive yeah indigo are putting on some food they're putting on like a some like little platters to kind of come around and and it should be a really intimate affair and that mm. for us is really important you know yes we can have the big events we could have like 100 200 300 people turn up for for like a little mini mysterious beer fest but we want to also be kind of that approachable group and um yeah, yeah give something back to the beer community and 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 have that those nights where it's smaller, you know, and, and we're going to take that on the road next year as well. Um, we we did one in Newbury uh, um, in at home, which is you know one of West Berkshire's best bottle shops. You know, you go in there and they it is just wall to wall fabulous beer and uh, uh, and talking to David over there, he was like, you know, you, you guys have put something on that we've never had here on a tasting night before. Okay. So for us, that's really really positive you know mm. um and, and i think that again comes back to the whole homebrewing thing we kind of went what do we want to get out of a of a beer tasting night and a meet the brewers we want to get that little bit more that little bit more kind of um excitement about the process without it being really boring for people that don't really care yeah um so yeah tasting malts and we we, we have this whole selection of of malts uh and you know, it's like the brewer's snack, and I've heard other brewers talk mm-hmm. about it. You know, where you know you kind of take that little handful of um, uh, 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 of malt, and you can just chew on it, and you get all those flavors, and then yeah. you then taste the beer that's with that malt, and you kind of go, "Oh yeah, it makes sense." So yeah, that's our little bit of a USP when it comes to um, to a tasting night.
0: Excellent. So
3: obsess over the detail in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If, there, if i mean if there are any obviously go on uh onto mysterious's uh website to see if there are still any available because it's only tomorrow um and of course if you can't make it if you like the sound of that but you can't make it then by the sounds of it there are going to be more so keep your eyes on uh on mysterious's socials yeah, yeah. and Is we're starting a-
4: to spread our wings as well you know we're we're, you know, talking to venues in Southampton. We're talking to venues in Lincoln. Mm. Um, so we might be mysterious on the road. You never know. And, and um, yeah. yeah, we're, we're a magical we're to...
0: mystery tour. You, you might have. <laughs> you just, can have that one uh, for free. You can
4: have that for free. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen a shirt design yet, have you? <laughs> but I think one will be coming in your direction.
0: If you tell me that the uh, t-shirt has got the uh, Scooby Doo mystery machine on it then i'm in i'm in <laughs> excellent Well, that sounds great um you know uh, as i said you know people listening if you like the sound of that and who doesn't i mean it sounds like and it's an am- amazing um events uh keep your eyes open and uh get down to one right okay i've got a question for you now that's not been set by me it's been set by the last guest i had on the last episode now, that was Clark at Lake Down Brewing Co. Um, in East Sussex. So I'm going to ask you, um, and you don't have to put your heads together and come up with one answer. You can have a separate answer each. <laughs> it's not a, like, you know, a, a mysterious corporate answer. You have your each, <laughs> each, each to your own. Uh, so Clark has asked.
4: If there was one beer style you had to eliminate and eradicate forever, uh, what would that style be Ooh. and why?
0: So who wants, to, who wants to kick off on that? That's not
3: fair, is it? But okay. Um, <laughs> gosh, wow. Well, I mean, obviously you can't go deep enough down a rabbit hole to like, not particularly like a style. Um, is it a style? I mean, and also it's a bit brutal. But for me, it's... <laughs> whenever you're watching Channel 4, you keep seeing an advert for Cause. Whatever they category they <laughs> put that in, <laughs> it's just cooking lager. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they yeah. call it something else, but you want it, to eradicate just, crap
0: lager
3: well because... yeah yeah and it's not even the fact that it's a lager it's just the, the description as a beer i just i don't get it i just like i have non-alcoholic beer if that's the way that's that's going to be better at least you can taste you know you can taste the flavors in it but i just don't i don't understand it and only only to the point where it's it, it's, it's pointless whereas I can't even think of a style that I wouldn't drink. I mean, I'm not massive on smoked beers, but I do try them because I can appreciate a balanced smoked beer. Mm. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want to eradicate it because it's a it's a rich vein of, of beers to sort of to brew, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I kind of, yeah, it's it's the pointlessness of the weakest, wettest thing going, isn't it? That you, like, is that, yeah. is, am I getting a bit of grain? So we did <laughs> in the homebrew club, we did a, an off
4: uh, off-flavours tasting.
3: Yeah, and I can't remember what they do. you Remember what they got for? They, they got, I think they were looking for I, cause, but they I don't want to
4: get sued by anyone, so I won't <laughs> say which beer it was.
3: Yeah, okay, it was a generic rubbish beer. Um, yeah. and we tried it first, and of course, nobody in the homebrew club had had this beer for years. Um, I started putting off flavors in it, and some of them we were like, oh, god, this is. This has improved the taste. You're like, well, no, actually, <laughs> honestly, like, no, that's diacetyl. We're like, yeah, but now it tastes a bit like beer because it's got a little butterness to it. Um, yeah, So so it's, it's yeah, nondescript yeah. water lager for me.
4: Okay,
0: fantastic. Adam?
4: Oh, you really put me on the edge here. So I'm going to say a style and then I'm going to claw it back. Okay. okay.
3: I think you right. you're going to close so, it down.
4: <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm going to stay. A, so, um, you know, we said we talked earlier about wacky styles and kind of things that are just kind of a little bit out there. Well, um, up until earlier this year, I would say like a goes something that is, you know, um, a, 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 a quite for my taste buds was um, uh, something I just did not. i just could not drink it you know it 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 didn't happen for me um and i know there's people out there that absolutely love it but go with me on this one you know i went to belgium earlier this year with a few friends from uh, actually incidentally from from rab we went on a little uh, brussels trip and uh you know obviously we we absolutely immersed ourselves in the Belgian beer scene we went to some amazing breweries um in um in, in Belgium and we had a fabulous 3 4 days out there and um we went to um a barrel store that I must admit everyone else in the group six of us went and the other five were very excited about going to this particular venue Right, and I will openly admit to being a little apprehensive very interested in kind of going and, and getting the tour and kind of having you know having the the, the um, opportunity to go around and have a look at another venue but not really looking forward to the tasting session that we had had booked afterwards okay. um, so had this amazing trip round there was these huge barrels bubbling away with you know um, uh. uh yeah, you know, in this in this store, and it was huge. Um, and then we had this great little sort of trip round, really interesting, learnt a lot about you know um, mixed foam and uh, 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 and all that side of things. Um, and then we came to the tasting bit, and my heart sank. I was like, oh, I'm really not looking forward to this. And then out came like these little platters of meats and cheeses and some breads and, you know, and um, I was like, sat there, tasting away. And I had my first sip and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not not that keen on it. It wasn't horrible, you know, I'm open-minded. Um, but to cut a long story short, uh, an hour later, uh, I was the first one in the queue to the shop and there's my three fontaine um bottle, one of a box full that I came away with.
2: Wow. Um,
4: and uh this is absolutely fabulous when you
0: pair it with the right food. Um okay. so I am a compter. On its own, no, but pair it with some pair it with the right food. What food? Yeah. Uh some
4: nice salamis some nice sort of like cheese and, and some really good bread and and exactly. that's actually what we're doing tomorrow night. We we haven't got this style of beer, um, but we are doing that kind of you know uh, pairing where we've got some of our beers with some like bolder flavors and bringing yeah. it together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a convert, so that maybe isn't quite the answer you were looking for. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I started out on my beer journey absolutely disgusted by it, yeah, and now I'm a convert. So the moral of the story is just because you kind of think maybe it's not that great sometimes give it a second chance apart from uh, ken's option which is no just chuck that in the (laughs) bin buy some (laughs) decent beer
0: yeah (laughs) i agree i agree okay brilliant thanks very much for those answers so can you get you put your heads together and can you give me a question to put to the next guest please you know what
3: Paul I've listened to this podcast so many times how was I not prepared for this this is ridiculous (laughs) but can I spin it and I was again for the last time I did a podcast I was unprepared because I didn't even realize they did a question at the end of it and I was asked uh, because of our situation of not having a tap room they said money aside what would be your ideal you you could invent the best tap room your own tap room that you could have what would it be and now i i I sit there thinking oh yeah this And i've got so many answers now but other time i was just like uh i don't know i don't know but for me it would be what would be your perfect you could invent anything as wacky or as simplistic money you know money's no object that you'd want people to come in and experience to drink your beers
0: okay nice yeah interesting question and Was it's a nightmare because even if you can answer it on the spot, you yeah. walk away thinking, "Oh, actually, but that's it, isn't it?" You know, if somebody says to you, "What's your favorite band?" or something like that. You're like, "Oh," uh, and you come up with something, and then, like, you know, an hour later, you say, "Why didn't I say them?" <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it, well, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I will ask that question to the next guest. Sure. Right, well, we've come to the end of the uh, of the show. Um Ken, Adam, it's been fantastic chatting with you guys. Uh thanks again for the, the beers. I really, really enjoyed the um the Black IPA and the Spruce ASB. I mean, they're great beers. I'm looking forward to trying the others as well. Um, thanks for spending the evening chatting to me about beer. Well, thank you. Uh, you're so welcome. And just to add very quickly, we're a couple of days away
4: from Black Friday. So, to give something to your listeners, um, we will have a discount code on our website, so you okay. can order some black beers for Black Friday. Um, so, if you use the discount code Black Beer Friday, um, then you'll get free delivery. So,
0: um, yeah, fantastic. Okay, Black Beer Friday. All together, all in block uh, caps. In, in in any combination that you like, the website will accept it. Right, as long as it's Black Beer Friday. As long as, you put, as long as you put the words Black Beer Friday in that order, you should be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks very much. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to bumping into you guys at uh, beer festivals uh, in the future and maybe yeah. even some uh, mysterious uh, brew events. Yeah, hopefully. You no know, seeing that magical mystery tour, as I say, you know. <laughs> well, we
4: expect to see you next October uh, at our next Fest,
0: Naturally naturally <laughs> excellent cheers, thanks very much guys thanks cheers thanks again to ken and adam do try their beers if you can they are excellent the guys certainly know what they're doing and if you do so now or in the next couple of days you'll get free delivery from their website by using the code black beer friday i'll put the link to their webshop in the show notes as well And a reminder that if you fancy going to their Meet the Brewer tasting evening tomorrow at Indigo Bakes in Basingstoke, then head over to their website to buy the tickets. Otherwise, keep an eye on their website and their socials for any of their future events as they continue to take Mysterious on the road. There have been no Speakpipe messages this week, but don't forget it's quick and easy to leave me a message. Just go to speakpipe.com forward slash beer prime and record away. My email address for those wanting to send me messages but not wanting them to be audio ones is beerprimeuk at gmail.com. I'm at beerprimeuk on Twitter, Instagram and threads too if you don't already follow me there. There are two more episodes this year and I've got a cracking Christmas one lined up for you. More details of that in the next episode in a couple of weeks time. So until then, Thanks for listening. Cheers.